welcome to the Learning and Development Podcast. I'm David James from 360 Learning, and each episode I chat with guests about what lights them up in the world of people development. In this episode, I'm speaking with Kevin M. Yates about planning for impact. But before we get into it, if you're enjoying this podcast, please do give us a five-star rating on your podcast app of choice to help others to find us. And thank you if you've done so already. Now, let's get into it. Kevin, welcome back to the Learning and Development Podcast. Oh, David. Always good to see you, man. Uh, now, Kevin, I'll make no apologies for inviting you back because making planned impacts continues to be problematic for L&D. So we're dedicating a mini-series to this very topic. Uh, so let me kick off the, with the first question. We talk a great deal about starting with the end in mind. What does that mean in L&D? Yeah, you know, we, we do talk a lot about that, David, and, and we've been saying that for years, right? This is nothing new. Mm. Um, the idea is nothing new. The necessity is nothing new. You know, David, I think that when we talk about it, when we say we want to align our training and learning solution with business goals and the, and the business strategy, that really does mean something, right? And for me, here's what that looks like, David. For me, that means that we initiate our first conversations with business partners and stakeholders in a discussion that has nothing to do with training, right? Mm -hmm. Historically, our first conversations, as you know, David, are the training solution. We need training. How many people do we need to train? How are we going to train them? You know, there, there's all of that talk, right? And I'll tell you, David, the minute that that discussion starts that way, that is the point at which it takes us away from alignment, right? Mm -hmm. so, so here's the key. If your first discussion with business partners and stakeholders is about training, it's more than likely that you are headed in the wrong direction for mm -hmm. alignment. Yeah. Right. So that's a key. That's a key to our watchers and our listeners. Right. So what does alignment look like? Alignment looks like an initial conversation, a first conversation with business partners and stakeholders that is focused on organization goals. Right. It is focused on performance requirements that help achieve those goals. It's about talking about and discovering the gap between where performance is today and where it needs to be in order to achieve whatever that goal is. You know, that first conversation is about threats and mm -hmm. risk to performance. So the essence of what I'm saying, David, and just to kind of bring it full circle to go back to your question, alignment looks like where we have taken our discussion to another level that is more focused on performance and less focused on training as a way to ensure that we are synced and aligned directly to what organization needs are and performance requirements to achieve those needs and those goals. Does that make sense, David? Yeah, it completely does. I've been in those conversations, Kevin, many a time when uh, you're invited to see that stakeholder um, uh, because they've got a, a training request. Uh, so, uh, so after the, uh, 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 the the cordial greeting uh, and the chit chat, the the conversation gets into right. Okay, this training. So, so what I would like, Kevin, is and then uh, you know it is like like ordering a meal um, uh, without necessarily reading what's on the menu. Uh, but uh, but it it is uh, that that's the the, um, uh, the 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 order to to take. Uh, those conversations, because it gets down into the nitty gritty of what um, what the name of that training will be, uh, it often gets down into what will be included. I remember speaking with a stakeholder once who said that they went on a leadership program and there was a great health and well-being part on there about what you can and can't eat. You know, so what could we do? Could you find out what was in that course? And, you know, so so they're they're taking that into because, I mean, a lot of the time they are. Um, uh, they're simply externalizing what they've been ruminating on for, for quite some time, uh, perhaps what they've already been uh, talking with their, their team and their colleagues about as well. So this, this, this conversation is about sealing the deal uh, pretty much about, uh, about crystallizing what it is that they would like delivered. But this is where what you're saying here in uh, uh, that, that, that we in learning and development need to um uh, acknowledge uh we need to to understand our place but 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 seek beyond 
that request. Now, there's a credibility part in here as well, I think, isn't there, Kevin, that 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 you and I will be in those meetings and we'll say, oh, OK, OK, before we get into what's to be involved, now, what I'll tell you right now, I'd love to, to deliver what, what you're asking for. But before we get into that, let's talk about what you want to achieve. But more junior and less experienced colleagues won't necessarily have that confidence or the uh, the know-how in order to do so. Uh, what what would you suggest? You know, you you for people at all levels, you've been invited into that meeting. You're clear. You're inspired by it. They're inspired by this conversation from you. But there's a tactical and political element first. What right. what do you suggest? And I love that question. <laughs> and the reason that I love that question and that lead up. David, is because the essence of what you did here was set up the idea that while the best case scenario is leading with a performance-based uh, discussion, that's not always the case. Mm. So I love how you frame that because you're framing it within the context of the reality um, that we work as training, learning, and talent development professionals. Because David, as you've often heard me say, and, and as I am on a mission to share, Measuring impact for training and learning is difficult, but possible. So what you're talking about here is part of the difficulty, right? So your question is, how do we approach a conversation or a discussion where the lead is around who are we going to train? What are we going to call the course? How many people are we going to train? On what days are we going to train, right? The order, right? So if you are new in the profession, right? If you are junior in your role, or maybe even if you've been in L&D for years, and aren't quite sure how to shift the discussion away from order taking to impact making, right? Mm -hmm. I believe, David, and this just comes from my own experience, right? I don't want to give the impression that I've always been good at this because I haven't, right? There was a point at which I had to figure this out. Mm -hmm. And that is what has led me to being uh, where I am today in terms of shifting these discussions. So my recommendation is really part of what you said, you know, acknowledge the the discussion acknowledge the traditional discussion right so if someone comes to you with hey i'd like to place an order for training or a training request and we need training you know acknowledge that right okay i hear you right um thank you for sharing what your thoughts and ideas are about how we can approach this um thank you for sharing with me you know how you think we should get started and what you believe is the direction in which we should go so acknowledge that you know in the way that i just did and then follow that, follow that up with a performance first mindset, mm. right? And if you are following up with a performance first mindset, in essence, you are then seeing yourself as a performance consultant first and an L&D practitioner second. And there's nothing wrong with that, right? Uh, because at this particular point in time in the L&D journey, right? Yeah, you do want to see yourself as a performance consultant first and kind of put L&D in the background because by doing so, you're going to engage in a conversation that helps the business partner or the stakeholder shift his or her thinking, right? Mm -hmm. Because not only do we need to shift our thinking, we need to shift the thinking of our business partners and our stakeholders. And if we lead with performance as the foundation and basis for the conversation, we're going to be in a much better position to deliver training and learning solutions that are aligned to business goals and business needs. Mm -hmm. So again, I want to you know, keep bringing it back to your question, David, because your question was, if you are junior in your role or if you are new to having this performance first kind of discussion, what does that look like and what does that sound like? So, again, acknowledge what you hear from the person who is making the training request because you don't want to dismiss that. Mm -hmm. But you want to follow that up with those questions that I talked about earlier. Right. Ask the question, what are business needs? Ask the questions, what are performance requirements to achieve business goals and business needs? Mm -hmm. um, what are the risks to performance? Where's performance is today versus where it needs to be tomorrow? So if you if you shift within the discussion um, to those types of questions, you are better positioning yourself to get the information you need that is going to help you make a recommendation for a training and learning solution that will measurably impact performance and ultimately business goals. So again, again, trying to keep bringing it back full circle mm -hmm. to your to your question. If you're new to this, if you're junior to this, again, in the conversation, acknowledge what you hear when that business partner stakeholder starts with, you know, the training request and then follow up in your um, conversation and discussion with questions that are focused on performance and let him or her know the reason that you want to have a conversation about performance versus training is that 
you want to help that trainer requester be successful, right? Mm. And that trainer requester may not even know that he or she is going to be most successful when you as the L&D professional practitioner is able to deliver a solution that is specifically designed to impact performance. And at the end of the day, that training requester may not know that that is what he or she needs. Mm. That training requester thinks they need training. Yeah. But what they really need is a training and learning solution that's going to activate performance. Those are two very different things. And so that is how you position the conversation. And that's the um, the value that you describe to the training requester that, that you bring to the conversation by having that kind of conversation. Now, no, that was a long answer to your question. <laughs> But I hope it helped. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. You know, we, uh, it was long because we went uh, we went deep in there. And I think that what we've been exploring there is one of the reasons uh, that we're still talking about how we measure impact in learning and development, even though you could say, and we should say, that, that ours is a mature profession now, but we don't know how to predictably and reliably uh, achieve the, 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 uh, a desired impact. Um, why why else are we still talking about this Let, let's see if we get this all out on the uh, on the table kevin yeah i i love that i love that right because your point is very valid you know we've been talking about measuring impact now for years and mm. by years i mean like 30 plus maybe even 40 plus so the question is you know even with us having made some progress um even with us having moved the needle a little bit on the impact measurement journey why have we not made more progress considering the amount of time that we've been thinking about this one of the reasons I believe we not made progress, David, is for what we've just spent a ton of time talking about. Mm -hmm. um, it's about alignment, right? And I think that if we want to measure impact, we have to be purposefully and intentionally aligned to performance requirements that help organizations achieve goals, right? Mm -hmm. And, you know, just to keep it real, to borrow modern day vernacular, quite often, more often than not, our training and learning solutions are not aligned. So if they aren't aligned, then they aren't going to produce the types of outcomes that we can measure in terms of the extent to which they have fulfilled their purpose for measurably influencing human performance and business outcomes. So if they aren't aligned, measurement is going to be either difficult or I dare say impossible, right? So I think that alignment is one of the reasons that, or lack thereof, is one of the reasons why we're still having this conversation. Mm. I think another reason that we're still having this conversation is quite often we try to measure impact for training and learning solutions where we probably don't even try to need to be measuring impact, right? We don't need to measure impact for everything mm. because we don't have endless resources, endless talent, endless time. <laughs> mm. I mean, if we try to measure impact for all the training and learning solutions that are in our catalogs, I mean, that, that's just an unrealistic expectation. And so quite often, David, I think that we're struggling because we try to bite off more than we can chew. Mm. You know, my recommendation for choosing what to measure and what not to measure, you know, when you have those training and learning solutions that are specifically, intentionally and deliberately designed to produce a performance outcome that is critical for business success, those are the training solutions where we really need to be measuring impact, right? Mm. Now, I'm going to say something right here that's, going to be a little controversial, David, so hold on to your seat. Mm -hmm. You know, when it comes to training for compliance and mandatory training, you know, my thought is that maybe we really don't need to measure impact for that, right? Mm -hmm. Maybe for those, as far as we need to go is compliance, because compliance is the goal. So, you know, yeah. if 100% compliance is the goal for a mandatory training or learning, then maybe that's as far as we need to go. Now, unless the caveat is, for any mandatory compliance trainings, if there is an instance where there is a behavior that we are trying to change or remove, mm -hmm. and we have a training and learning solution that does that, then yes, we do need to measure the impact of that. Mm -hmm. But you know, if we're just talking about our annual trainings, our annual compliance and mandatory trainings, do we really need to measure impact for that? I'm, I'm thinking probably not. So, mm -hmm. you know, again, I think that what we continue to talk about and what our challenges continue to be revolve around alignment, um, trying to measure impact for too many things. And I think that maybe the other challenge that we have and, and why we're still having this conversation is the talent on the L&D team who can focus narrowly on impact analytics and impact measurement, right? Um, if you don't have someone who is devoted to that work, and mm. devoted to that practice, 
it's going to be difficult to to get measurement to really take root as part of the L&D foundation, right? So if you don't have someone like me <laughs> uh, on the team who is focused on creating the measurement strategy and executing the measurement strategy, it's going to be difficult, right? Mm -hmm. So the three things that are top of mind for me, David, again, to bring it full circle, why are we still having this conversation, right? First reason, I think that there's lack of alignment. Uh, second reason, I think that we're trying to measure impact for too many things. And the third reason is that we often don't have the talent or the expertise on the team uh, for impact analytics and for impact measurement. Another long answer to your question, <laughs> man, but I hope that it answered it. <laughs> uh, uh, 100%. Uh, but I wonder whether I can ask you a, uh, a controversial question, seeing as you, uh, you threw back a controversial answer. Um, do you think that there's uh, another reason could be uh, you mentioned there that we're trying to measure the impact of too many things. Do you think that uh, that uh, it could be the case? Uh, it's a bit of a loaded question because I've worked in these uh, that um, that learning and development teams aren't measuring enough, uh, and in fact they're not measuring any uh, of the impacts of their uh, of their their learning function. And what I mean by that is that so much in learning and development we use within our vernacular, it's the provision of learning and the delivery of learning. Uh, neither of those. Um, speaks to an outcome. Uh, you can you can achieve the delivery and the provision without ever intending to uh, to affect uh, a defined performance. And so, if the um, the the reason for your team to uh, to exist is to deliver on a on a live or virtual curricula and provide a vast suite of content, which you know. A lot of learning and development teams can get away with just doing that, uh, albeit with the with the compliance arm and um, being involved in in ad hoc projects. But but they will be renowned for and held accountable to the delivery and provision. Do you think that not trying, not measuring any impact is also and and being used to not measuring any impact is also or could be also be a reason? I think so, David. And actually, I think you're on to something, right? So I think that the extent to which you you go on the impact analytics measurement journey is dependent upon what's a priority in your organization, right? Mm -hmm. Because to your point, there's excuse me, there are some organizations where measure impact is not a priority. Mm -hmm. Is that okay? Sure. You know, David, it's and, and I, this is a simple one, actually, mm -hmm. right? It, it's not complicated because. If measuring impact is not a priority for the organization, then it's just not a priority. Should it be a priority? I don't know. It depends on the organization. Mm. You know, one of the things that we can be thinking about is, and I love that you use the word provision, because one of the roles that I believe L&D does have as part of the work that we do is provision of training and learning experiences that help people be the best that they can be, mm. right? And do you always need to measure the extent to which people are being the best that they can be based on the extent to which they're using training and learning resources that the training and learning team provide? I don't know. Right. I'm, I'm, and I'm just keeping it real. That's my honest answer, David, because, again, if it's not a priority for the organization, um, I don't know that we need to focus time, attention, energy and effort to that. Yeah. I think that where it might get kind of tricky, even as I think about what I just said, you know, quite often, David, um, we hear people say we want to measure the value of L&D, right? Mm. And I'm not so sure that we can measure the value of L&D. Um, and, and you're going to probably hear, you know, Bonnie and Laura talk about this as part of this series, right? Mm. But, you know, for me, I think that it is more important for us to measure the unique impact of our individual training and learning solutions versus measuring the impact of L&D. And I think mm -hmm. that that's why we often try to find some type of number that we can use as a signal for the impact of L&D. And that is why we get to using things like NPS, which I am not in favor of, actually. Mm -hmm. um, but I think that, you know, again, bringing it full circle <laughs> to your question, um, is it okay if training and learning organizations are not measuring impact? I think it's okay as long as they are working in organizations where no one is asking for data and facts and evidence that shows impact, right? So do you have to measure impact? No, you don't. I think it's a good thing to measure impact because by doing so, you get 
insight into the extent to which your training and learning solutions are measurably influencing people performance and business behavior. And there's a lot that you can learn from that. Mm -hmm. For example, if you see that there is a training and learning solution um, that is producing incredible results for performance outcomes, the benefit to measuring that is that you can then what I like to call copy and paste success, right? Because for whatever it is, it's working in that particular training or learning solution or program, you might be able to borrow some of the techniques and use it in other training and learning solutions where you want to make the same type of impact, right? Mm -hmm. So do you have to measure impact? No. Is there value in measuring impact? Yes. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so, you know, again, uh, on a lot of levels, David, the extent to which an organization chooses to measure impact for their training and learning solutions or not measure impact is really up to the organization, the dynamics and the circumstances that exist within that organization. Another long answer, man, but I hope it made sense. <laughs> uh, uh, all I say is the listener might might have to strap themselves in. I think you and I might be going on longer than normal. Uh, but um, uh, you know, my my own uh, um, uh, what I'd, what I'd add uh, on top of that, Kevin, is that uh, that um, that. For for those who are making a first foray into measurement, because there is uh, either some anxiety that they're personally feeling, or some pressure that they're feeling uh, from within or around them uh, to explore um, what it means to to make impact. Um, I think that it's important that we know how. It's important that we know that we do make impact, because when the S hits the fan. And what I'm talking about here is that all it takes is a different dynamic in the organization. Uh, it could be um, uh, a focus on upskilling from within our organizations rather than hiring from outside when we see that there's a squeeze on talent. Uh, and uh, I know organizations that are looking to repurpose enormous swathes of their, 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 their organization because uh, technology uh, is... Uh, having an impact on the current workforce. Uh, when you throw in also that we have 80% of the workforce of 2030 already in the workforce now, there is there there is an importance that we know how to measure impact, and that uh, when when we need to, we 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 should be able to. So there's there there I do get what you're saying that if the organisation doesn't require us to measure impact, then 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 that's fine. Which leads me on to the uh, to the next question nicely, uh, Kevin. Because for those who want to up their game here, I do want uh, I want to ask you: uh, What are we doing when we do measure? When we are measuring impact, what are we what are we actually evaluating, and what are we chasing after, and why? That's a, another good question. And you know, David, I like to say impact is how you define it as right. Mm. So, however you define impact for your organization, that is what it is. Right. So your question is, how do you start to measure impact? Mm -hmm. And the context for how I'm going to answer that question is, how do you measure impact on human performance and ultimately business results or business goals? So that's the context for how I'm going to answer that question. So that being the case, going back to what I said earlier, um, I lead with a performance first mindset, which means that for me, I start with curiosity around where human performance is and where human performance needs to be in order to achieve a business goal or achieve an organization goal or a business outcome. So I lead with performance. The first thought in my head when I think about measuring impact is performance. When I think about what data and evidence I'm going to be chasing after, I'm thinking about performance. So for me, David, it's performance, 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 all day, every day, all day long. <laughs> and what do you mean? And, and just to be really clear, I mean, I know what yeah. you mean by by performance. So, if the listener, if if they uh, they have any doubt in their own mind, what do you mean by performance? Great question. And yeah, let's level set everybody. So, when I talk about performance, I'm talking about how people are using their skill, their talent, their capability to execute their work day-to-day -day in their roles and how they are executing, how they are acting and behaving and showing up at work in a way that helps them do the kind of work that not only helps them be successful in their role, 
but helps the organization achieve business goals. So it's how are people using their talents, their skills, and their capability and executing in a way that helps them help the business achieve business goals. So when I talk about performance, I'm talking about skills, capability, talent, behavior, and actions. All of that, for me, rolls up into performance because it, it's it's how you are executing day-to-day, real-time on your job to, mm-hmm. you know, again, not only perform in a way that helps you be successful, but helps the organization be successful as well. So that's what I mean, David, when I talk mm-hmm. about performance. Did, did that answer your question? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And I just want to make sure, because I interrupted you previously on answering the question, what are we doing when we measure impacts? And you'd said it's performance, performance, performance. And, uh, and uh, was there anything else you wanted to mention on uh, what we're actually measuring um, and what are we chasing after and why? Yep. So when we're when we're measuring performance, the essence of what we're doing is looking for the facts, the evidence, the data, the clues, the signals that show the extent to which people are behaving and acting and using their skill and their capabilities in ways that help them achieve business goals. So when I'm measuring impact, David, I'm looking for data that connects to ways in which we can show how performance is showing up. How is performance impacting um, business metrics, uh, business data, right? Business KPIs, right? So I'm looking for the ways in which I can connect the dots between how people are acting and behaving and performing and executing in their roles and in their jobs day to day. And I'm connecting those dots from that over to business results and business outcomes of business goals. Mm -hmm. So when we talk about how do we do it, we first start with clarity around what business or rather what performance expectations are. Like we, you know, if you just want to get tactical, David, we need a bullet point list mm. of what the behavioral um, requirements are, what the actions, uh, what actions are required, um, what the skills, uh, what skills are required in order for people to be functioning in their role in a way that helps them be successful and the business successful. So if you have a bullet point list of behaviors and performance requirements, you can then have a way in which to determine how are these bullet points showing up? Real time, day to day on the job when people are executing and performing in a way that helps them achieve business goals. That bullet point list, in essence, becomes your North Star. That's where you start, because then you want to design training and learning solutions that have intention and specificity for influencing those Mm. bullet points. Right. And if you do it that way, then you have some intention with what you're designing you also have guidance for what you want to produce as an outcome for training and learning because you already have those descriptors for what behavior and performance looks like. Mm-hmm. So your question was, where do you start? And at the risk of sounding like a broken record, David, I'm going to say you start with performance mm-hmm. and you start with performance um, in a way that I just described, right? Mm-hmm. Get those bullet points that describe behaviors, actions, and performance, and then design training and learning solutions that are going to trigger or activate those behaviors, those actions, and that performance, and then measure the extent to which training and learning did what it was supposed to do. In other words, you're going to measure the extent to which training and learning fulfilled its purpose. And Mm -hmm. purpose fulfillment is impact, just to to close that up. (laughs) Does that make sense? Oh, absolutely, uh, absolutely. But I, but I'd like to uh, to uh, to explore that and go slightly off piste, uh, if I yeah, may, Kevin. Let's do it. Uh, because um, I get what you're saying there about uh, uh, identifying the the characteristics, the, the the performance, the way that you want people to behave as a result of the training. But and here's the the contentious part: doesn't it begin before then? And I'll give you an example. We've both been in a room trying to convince established middle managers to change and had our bullet point list of these are the these are the ways we'd like you to behave. But the problem is that they're already exhibiting the expected and rewarded behaviors according to their job descriptions and the way that they're remunerated. So there is absolutely no consequence for them not changing. But were you to go back further to to one step prior to performance, which is the consequences of them actually behaving, the, continue to, to behave the way that they are. And so getting to understand a real problem in the organization, 
then you have kind of your consequence for them to perform. So, so I, I'll, I'll give an example of, of, of why I've gone here, that, that we've all received these training requests and we've, um, uh, a senior or influential uh, leader has said, I, I would like my middle managers to perform in these ways. And you have a look, you fully refine that, you observe the way that it, you know, with, with, with some UK, okay, I can see if we had more of these behaviors, things would be better. Um, again, it's really hard to convince those people who attend to change or to admit that they've not done it because because like any kind of self-assessment, they could tell you that they have and, and even be observed by their line manager who's already invested in this, that they've changed as well. But if you go back and you see that there is a critical point of failure, the, um, that um, that their reports are disengaged. Um, you're losing good people um, and uh, no one's been promoted in that area in the last two years. You know, so, um, you know, and those good people have actually left. So so you start with the consequence of what you believe the change should or the, the current status quo being. Then you've got those hard measures. Does, does that does that make sense? Um, you know, I, I, yes. I'm kind of challenging to say, and of course, this is an ideal situation. And imagine talking to that stakeholder that we were talking to right at the beginning here, saying, before we get into the to the training, can we do an exploration of uh, of of what you think the consequences are of your people continuing to perform the way that they are? But at least you you know your north star then is real results. It's, it's, it's almost saying to that group of people, rather than we'd like you to behave like, this, behave like this, what you're saying is, guys, you've all seen the stats. I've seen the stats. Things can't really continue the way that they are. It'd be great if we could come up with a plan here. I've got some ideas. You've got some ideas, I'm sure. What is it that you need to do or we need to do together in order to improve these results? I'd, I'd love to know your what your thoughts are around that, Kevin. That is excellent. And I love the example because for me, David, um, in, in impact analytics work and my L&D detective work, the essence of what I'm looking for that gives signal for impact is a business metric or a business measure, mm -hmm. right? Or a KPI, KPI. And the example that you just gave here as a KPI or a business metric would be turnover or attrition. Mm -hmm. Right. And let's talk about that in the context of leadership. Right. So kind of picking up on this example that you gave here, let's just say that an organization is seeing an increase in voluntary resignations. Mm -hmm. Right. And as part of exit interviews, what the organization is seeing that people are leaving because they don't see a future for themselves in the organization. And one of the reasons that they don't see a future is because managers and leaders are not doing a good job at career planning with their employees, right? Mm -hmm. Follow me here. So we have a metric. That metric is turnover or voluntary resignations. That metric is higher than we want it to be. Mm -hmm. Let's say that, you know, turnover rate right now is I'll just throw a number, you know, 20%, 30%, something like that. And we want to lower that to 10%, mm -hmm. right? But what we know is that people are leaving because managers and leaders are not doing a great job at helping people navigate through their career journey. So the turnover rate becomes the target rate that we want to impact with training and learning that supports managers and leaders in doing a better job at helping their employees with career growth and career planning, right? So that's the scenario. That's the situation. So in that instance, we're going to lead with the key skills and behaviors that managers need to execute in order to help their employees have a better experience with career journey, with career mm -hmm. planning and such. But we're going to go back to that metric for turnover and attrition as what we use as a signal for the extent to which there is a change in manager behavior and performance with helping their employees have a better experience with career growth and career journey. The mm -hmm. caveat there, David, though, and I want to be very clear about this. Training and learning is just one of the things yeah. that is going to impact that turnover metric or that attrition metric. I don't want to give the idea in this example that we just gave that manager training is going to be the only thing that contributes to that attrition rate. It's yeah. going to be one of the things, 
but it is not the thing, right? Mm -hmm. So even as we're thinking about how do we get a better signal for performance outcomes as a result of training and learning, even in those instances where people think that they're performing in a way that is sufficient, well, we can defute that argument right here, David, with the example that says that attrition rate is showing us that people aren't doing or managers and leaders aren't doing as good a job at this as they think they are. So that's the signal or the evidence that we use that there is um, an, to, to justify a need in the in a change in behavior as a performance for managers and leaders. In this example, um, it's showing that they aren't doing as good a, a, a job at helping people through their career journey, right? Mm. So I hope that that example makes it, and I hope that it connects with that example that you just gave, David. Did, did that make sense? Yeah, it did. It did. I think that what, what's really uh, uh, important here, and again, you, you and I can lean on years of experience here uh, to determine this. When we're invited in, and we, we, you know, we might as well be talking about uh, middle management training now because I've, I've been, uh, I've had plenty of those conversations uh, with stakeholders. Um, if the conversation is about equipping middle managers to do something that they are expected to do, but they're not now, it's more of an extension of let's help these guys out, right? Let's explore what some of these problems are and let's give them a hand, and that. We can we can quite likely draw a well. First of all, the as you mentioned there, and this is you know it's very common in performance consulting. When you start talking about what the potential blockers are to uh, to achieving performance and outcomes, there's going to be so much more on the table than than uh, uh, knowledge and capability. There will be uh, access to information, access to power. There'll be uh, systems and processes and procedures and all of that stuff. But if it's a really important problem, then the stakeholder would be quite happy to partner with you to get it all on the table and then slice and dice like, whose responsibility is what and, and truly partner. And then you've got the other, which is, uh, well, our middle manager is a bit neglected. And we kind of think that that um, uh, our messages aren't filtering down into the lower areas, which I think is probably um, uh, contributing to low engagement. With all of that stuff, you kind of think, well, it's a bit wishy-washy. Like this, this is probably one where we're not going to measure so we wouldn't get hung up on it because we know that doing something is, uh, in their eyes, is better than doing nothing. Now, there's a, there's an argument against that as well, that uh, that um, that we know that training uh, and L&D solutions aren't cheap. Um, so if we're not considering it a perk, it could be uh, a misuse of company resources, especially in these type of times. But it does depend on to what extent we want to provide something and we're happy to absorb the cost, um, even if we don't feel that we are making the, a planned difference compared with what was on the other side, as, uh, as you'd said. When, when you're looking to solve a real problem, I can think back to a time uh, working for an organization where uh, we had a lot of uh, very junior uh, first-line managers, which was great because they'd been promoted from within. But, but when it came to performance management, there was a lot to be desired. Uh, and I had a, a general manager uh, who was very keen to actually equip them. And so... We did workshops to find out what the problem was. Uh, we uh, we provided them with tools. I mean, they were very keen as well. And the general manager was holding them to account. And I think we made incredible progress iteratively um, and uh, with, with a keen eye on actual outcomes and improving the way things were done. Um, and, and, in, and in that regard, um, you you know you're doing a good job and it, this, this person became a huge sponsor of mine and you know, we, we was able to do a, other great stuff elsewhere uh, uh because of that sponsorship um and there have been other times when i would just ask to do something because there'd not been anything for a while and you, yeah you know yeah you, you know you, you do it you because the answer the answer is not no it's yes and but but you yes. try not to apply all of your resources into it um and try to make it as pleasant as possible but you know you're not you're not going to get planned impact. And that there's probably in those sessions as well, Kevin, I'm sure you've been in them as well. That's when you labor at the end. If you don't take this back to the workplace, if you don't get the coaching from your manager, if you take just one thing from this course, this five-day course that we've uh, we spent hundreds of thousands of pounds on, like, you know, all of, all of that 
or you know, I was going to say qualification, sometimes disqualification, like of uh, of uh, of of application of commitment to actually changing. You've you've got two different things, and I wanted to mention that because you know th- this is the gritty reality in learning and development a lot of the time that 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 means it's hard to make planned impact because sometimes the hand we're given we can't possibly make planned impact does that make sense it does make sense and and again you're talking about david some of the realities of the um the efforts toward measuring impact right Mm -hmm. and and you know David, you've heard me say this. You've heard me write about it. I'm trying to, you know, I want to be a bit more transparent about this. Um, measuring impact for training and learning is difficult and possible, mm. right? I always have to follow up with the possible part. And what you're talking about here are some of the difficulties. And, you know, the reality, David, again, controversial but true, there will be times where we cannot measure the impact. Mm. And, and that's just the truth. Does that mean that our training and learning solutions are inefficient. Does that mean that there's no value? No, it doesn't mean that at all. It just means that, you know, one of two things. Um, there are times where the complexity cancels the opportunity to measure impact, or there are instances where we don't have the opportunity to create training and learning solutions that are designed for measurable outcomes and measurable impact because we aren't given that opportunity by the business. Mm. So that means, David, you know, the business says that, you know, we have a training and learning need and we need training to be ready in 30 days or Mm. we need training to be ready in two weeks. So within that kind of constraint and with without the opportunity to have that discussion about performance, business outcomes, business results, if the perform, if, if the conversation is just we need training, if it's just a conversation that is rooted in a training order versus a conversation about a performance outcome, it's going to be very difficult, if, mm-hmm. if not impossible, to measure the impact of training and learning. So, again, David, I think that on some levels, what you're talking and speaking to here are those instances where we don't have that opportunity, those instances yeah. where there may or may or may not be a measurable outcome. We don't know. But the best case scenario is one where we can have a performance-based discussion upfront about measurable outcomes and then design training and learning to that or toward mm-hmm. that. The, the least desirable situations are ones where we get a training order, we get a training request, we go off and we create it, and then we give it back. Mm-hmm. Those are the worst case solutions. Yeah. And more often that second scenario is where the business just has a need or has a mm-hmm. perception about what it needs and is saying to us, I just need you to do this. Mm. Uh, you know, we don't have time for the conversation that you want to have, Ms. or Mr. L&D practitioner. We just need training. We need it fast. We need it quick. Now go off and do that. That's not the desirable situation, but it exists. And that mm. is sometimes what we have to answer to. So, so Kevin, as we, as we uh, look to wrap up, I've got a couple more questions. First of all, yeah. we've been talking about a lot of stuff in addition to measuring impact here that kind <laughs> of... Um, uh, you know, when, when we're invited in to speak to stakeholders and that those stakeholders can be our HR directors, it could be our HR business partners, as well as those senior stakeholders that we've used in the example here. When that happens, the door's kind of slightly ajar with, you know, they've almost opened the door slightly and shouted, hey, Kevin, give us some training. Now, what we need to do during that is get the door to be willingly opened that little bit more. And so we, in order to do that, you know, what, what I'll pull out from uh, from this conversation so far, and please add, but, you know, any that I've missed from this conversation and any more. First of all, it's a performance mindset so that you're so that we're not going in with a, a training or a learning mindset in which we are seeking to understand what the request is a little more. But we're trying to get to the number of what. What is the intention behind this uh, and what is it intended to achieve? What's the hope that it will achieve? The next one, there's some stakeholder um, uh, management within this as well, in which we either develop the professional credibility beforehand or during the conversations in order to respectfully challenge them to think beyond the current request towards impacting uh, performance to understanding what the problem is enough today 
and what the desired uh, outcome would be in terms of performance so that we're, we're, we're in, in, encouraging them to think broader and to trust us a little bit that we know what we're doing. But at the same time, our role within that as, as managing the stakeholder is not saying no. Uh, that that's career suicide. <laughs> like, absolutely, you, you, absolutely. you do not say no to your stakeholder at any point. The answer is no, yes, yes, don't yes, do yes, that. yes. Because yeah. it, because even even you know with with all the words that come out of their mouth, the 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 imagination of what this will actually look like from the part of the of L and D can actually limit what this looks like. But you're saying yes all along the line. It just you know you're you're just not saying yes to exactly how it's uh, how it's delivered. And then there is something around. Um, a, I don't know whether it's a curiosity because sometimes I think the, the word curiosity uh, lets us off the hook a little bit by you know in L and D by oh I'm just just be a bit curious and I think that 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 that's a softer element of of what I'm talking about here about if you understand the consequences currently of people not working in the way that's expected so the harder business metrics. Uh, or people metrics, then you understand your ground zero to where you go from. It does require some curiosity and some good questioning. And it starts with your imagination of what could those consequences be before you then go hunting down the data. Because the worst thing L&D can be thinking about is, oh, no, I've got to you know, go, go and look through uh, pages and pages of uh, of business information or people information to look for the problems. But it's not. It doesn't come that way. It's much more about understanding from what you um, uh, extrapolate the conversation towards the, the what could be indicators of something being wrong, and then and then looking for that evidence. So, you know, I love you know your whole uh, thing about looking for evidence and being a detective. Think, all right. So if there was a problem, I'd probably see this, and if I didn't see that, maybe I'd see this. And then going and finding it. So it's so it's a much more of a creative exercise to begin with before the detective work starts. But is there anything else, Kevin, that you think as far as uh, a mindset or a toolkit that you think that 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 beyond the measuring uh, impact that we should be uh, encouraging our listener? Yeah, you, you've laid it out quite nicely there, David. You you <laughs> covered it pretty comprehensively. Um, what I would add to that. As we are thinking about how we can impact human performance and business outcomes with our training and learning solutions, one of the other things that we have to think about, we have to think about this, is all of the variables that contribute to human performance and business outcomes, right? And I talked about that a little earlier. I think that one of the ways that we can manage our expectations and manage our business partner and stakeholder expectations is in addition to having a conversation around performance, having a conversation that that captures all the things that have potential to influence human performance. Mm. I think that if we don't have that conversation, David, we're putting ourselves at risk of being viewed as having magic wands and pixie dust that can fix and change everything, right? Mm. We do have something in our magic toolkit, if you will, <laughs> and that's our training and our learning solutions. But training and learning is not the only thing that's going to activate or trigger human performance. Yeah. What are some of the things you ask, David? I'm glad you asked. I'll tell you. <laughs> right. So as an example, what else is it that activates human performance? How about rewards and recognition? Mm -hmm. How about compensation? We all love money. I know I shouldn't say I love it. I appreciate it. Yep. <laughs> so, you know, you got rewards and recognition. You got compensation. You got performance support, right? What are some of the tools that people can use to help trigger and activate their performance? There's manager coaching, right? How can a manager coach his or her or her or his employees um, in a way that helps them use their performance in the optimal ways, right? There is natural ability, right? We all come to the table with something that contributes to our performance. Mm -hmm. um, there are things in our environment like market conditions, business environments, business culture, you know, all of these things, David, they contribute to human performance. Mm -hmm. So I think that one of the things that we also need to be thinking about as we design and create our training and learning solutions is, you know, not only how does what we create and, and design, how does that contribute to human performance and business goals and business outcomes, 
we got to be thinking about the other things because training and learning will not do it alone. Yeah. In my 25 plus years of doing this work, David, I have never seen one instance where training and learning triggered or activated human performance on its own. That's right. There are other things that are going to do that. So in addition to all that you talked about and all that you said, you know, if I had to just kind of leave our audience with an idea, you know, that idea would be as you think about training and learning impacting human performance, think about the other things that are going to impact human performance as well, because training and learning by itself will not produce a measurable outcome for uh, human performance as it relates to how it impacts um you know, how people are behaving and acting and performing in the workplace. Wonderful. Thanks, Kevin. I really appreciate uh, you've summed that up uh, brilliantly. And of course, as we've mentioned, uh, both of us uh, throughout uh, this conversation, this uh, this episode um, uh, follows uh, a panel conversation that uh, that we had with uh, uh, with Laura and Bonnie, and it precedes uh, individual conversations with them as well. Uh, so, um, so as we leave this, Kevin, is there anything that you would say that uh, that Alistair should uh, be listening out for as a thread uh, in any of the the other episodes? I'm going to say that you know Bonnie and Laura are both super smart, incredible practitioners in the space of measurement for L and D. I think that the three of us together are powerful voices. Uh, we really try to be an advocate for uh, for the community um, being focused on measurement and using impact analytics to show how how our work, our solutions are measurably influencing performance. So I'm just going to say to our listeners, um, I hope you're excited about listening. I'm certainly excited about you listening and watching. So um, stay tuned for, for so much more great stuff to come. <laughs> Wonderful. Thanks, Kevin. And thank you very much uh, again for returning and being a guest on the Learning and Development Podcast. Always good to see you, David. Thank you for inviting me. It cannot be understated that if impact isn't planned for, then we can find ourselves scrambling hopelessly for morsels of impact at the end. We hope by keeping impact high on our agenda with these podcast conversations that we provide insights that land for you and help you to make the changes that positively impact your practice and your outcomes. If this conversation has whet your appetite for good quality L&D chat and you'd like to get involved, you can now join the L&D Collective of which I'm an active member. Join me and, and hundreds of L&D peers via the link to the L&D Collective in the show notes. And if you'd like to get in touch with me, perhaps to suggest topics you'd like to hear discussed, you can tweet me at David in Learning and connect on LinkedIn, for which you'll find links in the show notes. And goodbye for now.